Welcome to episode 15 of the Burning Bush podcast, where we share the message of the Bible while enjoying a good cigar. Thanks for uh, stopping by and taking the time out of your week to listen to the podcast. Hope everybody's having a great week, enjoying what is the Memorial Day weekend in 2021 as I'm recording this. And hopefully we got a, we got a party going across the street. Uh, a lot of cars coming and going, some music, so hopefully it won't be too much of a distraction. But those are the perils of recording outside. Sometimes we just have to deal with the noise. So before we get into the cigars, and there goes a car. <laughs> before we get into the cigar uh, part of the podcast, I just wanted to make mention of a TV show that uh, I discovered a few weeks back. And I just thought I'd let everybody know about if you haven't heard of it yet, if you've been living under a rock, it's called The Chosen. And uh, what it is, is a, um, a dramatized version of the story of Jesus and the disciples. It's real, done really well. It's done by Dallas Jenkins, uh, whose father is Jerry B. Jenkins, uh, the author of the Left Behind series. And uh, it's a really great show because they're, they're not using a Hollywood studio to do it. It's all crowdfunded by the people who are watching the show. And uh, like I said, it's, you know, a lot of it's fictionalized, but they're, you know, the, the core structure of it is from the Gospels and a very entertaining show. And uh, it will really, really help to educate those who don't know about Jesus to, uh, to get into the story. So check it out at thechosen.tv. I'll put the link in the show notes, and uh, they, they have an app that you can just download to your phone and stream it to to any streaming device, Roku, uh, Chromecast, Apple TV, really easy to use, and uh, you don't need to sign up for anything, they don't ask for your email address, it's all, it's all free, so check it out, www.thechosen.tv, and like I said, I'll leave the link in the show notes. Now on to this week's cigar. I'm smoking the Diamond Crown Number no. Three Maduro. And I'm smoking the Toro size, which is a six and a half by fifty-four. And this cigar, I, I smoke one of these a week. I smoke one every Sunday morning, and uh, it's a special just Sunday morning cigar because I love this cigar. It's one of probably my top three cigars. Um, just when I first tried it, 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 it blew me away. I mean, I was just like, wow, this thing is a flavor bomb. And so I, I you know, they're, they're a little pricey. They're about $15 a stick. I get them for online at uh, foxcigar.com. So I smoke one once a week just uh, as a treat, a Sunday morning treat. So uh, I'll go ahead and go to their website and read uh, all about the Diamond Crown at the J.C. Newman website. In celebration of J.C. Newman Cigar Company's 100th anniversary in 1995, Stanford Newman joined Carlos Fuentes Sr. to develop an exceptional series of super premium cigars. Stanford dreamed of making the best cigar in the world with no regard for how long it would take or how much it would cost. His dream was realized in the Diamond Crown Cigar. In the early 1990s, the largest handmade cigars ranged from a 50 to a 52 ring gauge. Despite this, Stanford decided that every Diamond Crown cigar should be made with a 54 ring gauge, 
allowing cigar rollers to blend six to seven individual tobacco leaves together, delivering the richest yet most consistent full flavor possible. At the time, he was told a 54 ring gauge could not be done and was too big, but Stanford insisted and was later hailed a visionary for his decision. Handmade in the Dominican Republic by the world-renowned Tabacalera E Fuente y Cia, Diamond Crown cigars are rolled by the very best master rollers and undergo rigid quality standards before public release. Each Diamond Crown cigar passes through three inspections and is aged in lots of 50 in cedar curing rooms for a minimum of 12 months. Additionally, Carlos Fuente selected only the most skilled cigar makers for Diamond Crown, paying them a fixed top rate of pay. Therefore, Diamond Crown cigar makers' incentive is to make the best rather than the most cigars. Diamond Crown's exceptional taste comes from the five-year-old Connecticut fermented wrapper. Unlike most quality tobacco wrappers, normally given a single fermentation, Diamond Crown wrappers are conditioned, graded, and selected for a second fermentation. It is this second curing that evens and develops the rosado color of the tobacco wrapper and eliminates any potential rawness, accounting for much of Diamond Crown's sweet, smooth, richer flavor. Originally launched exclusively on the West Coast, Diamond Crown cigars were oversold even before they were introduced. In high demand and hard to find, Diamond Crown was, was released to fine tobacconists around the world for all cigar lovers to enjoy. Today the Diamond Crown name has been extended into a complete line of cigar merchandise and accessories as well as a luxury experience in the Diamond Crown Cigar Lounge. Synonymous with superior quality, fine craftsmanship, and Epicurean pleasures, Diamond Crown cigars continue to be one of the best-selling super premium cigars on the market. And scroll down here to the Diamond Crown Maduro description. Featuring the same smooth and creamy binder and filler as the Diamond Crown Classic and a genuine Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, the Diamond Crown Maduro is dark and oily with sweet and toasty flavors. And the sizes are number three, which is a six and a half by 54. Number seven, six and three quarters by 54. Number six, six by 46 slash 54. Number four, five and a half by 54. And a number five, which is a four and a half by 54. The wrapper is a Connecticut Broadleaf. Binder is Dominican. And the, the filler is a selection of five different fillers from the Caribbean and Central America. And they were rated, uh, Cigar and Spirits Magazine rated them a 92. Cigar Journal rated them a 93. Cigar Snob a 91. And Smoke Magazine rated them at a 90. So that is the Diamond Crown Maduro by J.C. Newman. And I'll have a link to that website in the show notes. So let's go ahead and jump into this week's reading of Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? We're starting chapter four this week. Title of chapter four is God Joined His Human Family. Christians know all about the coming of Jesus. They know he was miraculously birthed by Mary, a young girl who was a virgin, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. 
The wider culture is familiar with the image of baby Jesus in the manger, especially in Christmas decorations. Several old but still popular Christmas songs celebrate how Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecies about a Messiah. There's more to Jesus than the cross. The entire focus is typically on Jesus being born into the world to eventually die on the cross. He would be the means of forgiveness for our sins and thus our entrance back into God's family, John 3.16. In other words, when most Christians think about Jesus, they have the cross in mind. That misses something. The fact that God became a man in Jesus gets a little lost in the focus on the cross. Most Christians don't realize that it was necessary for God to become a man for many reasons. To fulfill all the Old Testament covenants and to overturn the results of the supernatural rebellions we talked about earlier. The hope that human beings could still one day be with God forever was kept alive by God's refusal to eliminate humanity or scrap the plan. He kept returning to humanity, offering them forgiveness and a relationship with Him. God wanted them to believe and show they believed by living in harmony with Him and each other. But God's children rejected him at every turn. It's as though every time God said, You can still be with me, believe that and then show me where your heart's at, the problem got worse. The Bible uses the analogy of wandering sheep with no shepherd to describe this propensity. Isaiah 53.6, Matthew 9.36. That's pretty much on target. As I noted at the end of the last chapter, God's children needed new hearts and God's presence to help them believe. They needed a means to be saved from themselves and from a destiny that didn't include everlasting life with the God who loved them. There had to be a way for God to honor His covenant promises, to reverse the curse of death, and to help His people continue in their faith. God's solution to these problems was radical. He had to become a man. He had to join the human race. This is where Jesus enters the story. Jesus was God become man. John 1.1 1, 1 and 14-15 Colossians 1.15-20 and 2.6-9 He was the solution to every one of these obstacles. Only by dying on behalf of all humanity could the curse of death upon humanity be reversed. That meant such a death had to be followed by a resurrection, something only God could accomplish. Jesus was the solution for what happened in Eden. Remember God's covenant with Abraham? God had supernaturally intervened to enable Abraham and Sarah to have a son. That was the beginning of the nation of Israel. God told Abraham that one of his descendants would bless the nations God had forsaken at Babel. But how could a mere man do that? Only God himself could be the loyal descendant of Abraham who would fulfill the promise of that covenant to bless the nations outside Israel. Jesus was that descendant of Abraham. Matthew 1.1 and Luke 3.34 he was the promised offspring who would release people in the divorced nations, the Gentiles, 
from other gods so they could rejoin God's family. Galatians 3, 16-18 and 26-29. Jesus was the solution for fulfilling the covenant with Abraham. Jesus was also a descendant of David, so he was the rightful king. Matthew 1, 1, Luke 1, 32, and Romans 1, 3. Jesus was the solution for fulfilling the covenant with David. He had the right ancestry and was perfectly loyal to God. He never disobeyed God. He never committed any sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Hebrews 4.15, and 1 Peter 2.22. The fact that he never sinned also meant he was the perfect example of the purpose of God's law and the covenant made at Sinai. Jesus was the ultimate imager of God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 and Colossians 1.15 He is the illustration of how to image God. God wants us to conform to Jesus' example. 2 Corinthians 3.18 and Colossians 3.10 As we'll see later, that's also what being a disciple means. 1 Peter 2.21 God becoming a man is a difficult idea to grasp. God could become a man because he is more than one person. God is three persons who are completely the same in their nature. The Bible uses the terms Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to distinguish these three persons. Christians call the result of that labeling the Trinity. God the Son became a man as Jesus, John 1.1, and 14 through 15. Theologians call that the incarnation, a term that means God coming in the flesh. Jesus would be the only human God the Father could rely on to fulfill the covenants. You might recall that I mentioned earlier that God knew from the foundation of the world that he would send the Son, Jesus, to bring people back into his family. Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, and 1 Peter 1.20. The amazing thing is that the Son was willing to become a man, be tortured, and die so that God could have a human family. Here's how one section of the New Testament describes the conversation. When Christ came into the world, he said to God the Father, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 and 7. It's a good thing that God the Son was willing to be born as Jesus. Not only were the covenants at risk, but overcoming all the misery caused by supernatural rebellions was at stake as well. We need to understand that those rebellions required becoming a man, because God joining his human family set the stage for the coming of the Spirit. That's the end of uh, that first section from Mike Heiser's book, What Does God Want? In uh, the beginning of chapter 4, we'll start next week with section 2. So that'll do it for this week. I hope you will take advantage of uh, the TV show, The Chosen, that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Just go to the link in the show notes below. 
It's at thechosen.tv. And uh, take advantage of that show. I think you'll really enjoy it. And uh, again, I encourage you to check out Mike's author page, which is linked below as well. Check out his books. And until next week, have a great day. Have a great cigar. And God bless. Mm-hmm.